If you'll turn in your Bibles to Proverbs, the 12th chapter. This is what's on my mind this morning in Proverbs 12 and 18. And I want to preface this message with what I guess you would call a, like a children's nursery rhyme. It's not really a nursery rhyme, but it's a children's saying. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And I want you to understand, children and adults, this is a lie. This is a flat-out lie. It's not true. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will always hurt me, sometimes even worse than sticks and stones. Let's read Proverbs 12 and 18. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Let's talk about what we speak and what we say. And I've often said this many times, the best time to preach about problems is when there are no problems. So I want you to understand I'm not uh, targeting some particular problem, but this is on my mind and it's on my heart and it ties in directly to what we are as a church. You remember the church of God, it's not primarily a family, okay? And it's not at all a social organization in the sense of what we know in the world as social organizations. Now it is a social situation for sure, but don't ever forget that the church of God is a body. Okay, it's a, it's a body that has blood flowing through it. And the lifeblood of the body of the church is charity or love in action. Not love, the, the common Hollywood understanding of love as a feeling. It is, it is sacrificial love. It's the love of Christ where he laid himself down for our sins. And praise God, he took himself back up again. So you understand, as a body, these things are important for the church to maintain its function as a body and to be healthy as a church. And not only that, for your friendships and for your families and for your marriages and so forth, these things are of paramount importance. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. The word piercing right there means to literally pierce someone through with a sword. There were several occurrences of that in the Word of God. The most notable one that stuck with me was Zechariah 12 and 10, where the Lord says, talking about when He would go to the cross and talking about when He would return one day. He said, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. At the end of time, the Lord will be looked upon the resurrected Savior will be looked upon by the very ones that pierced Him. And if you can't connect with that, just remember, it was also your sins that pierced Him. You see? You can connect with that. But the piercings of a sword. I've never been stuck with a sword. I pray to God none of you have. <laughs> uh, I, I do remember years and years ago when one of the little fellows was playing and somehow one of the little fellows of church here fell on the point of an arrow in his mouth and, and stuck in the back of his mouth, you know? And I was like, well, first of all, how did y'all get in that position? You know, you always come and try to sort out what happened here. How did you get the arrow in your mouth? <laughs> well, I fell on it. Well, was somebody holding it there to stab you? I mean, anyway, I've never been pierced with anything but more like a shot or, you know, when they prick your finger, you know, to draw blood. I don't like any of that. And I don't like shots. <laughs> But can you imagine just being stuck through with a sword or with a spear? 
And this is the comparison to what it's like when certain things are said. It just pierces you. We've all been there. If you haven't been there, you haven't lived long enough. When you got information or something came to you or you heard so-and-so said this about you or about someone or this was going around, maybe gossip or whatever, it just pierces you like a sword. You know, it just hurts. feels like you've been stabbed or shot. Words will hurt you. So let's think about what the things are that pierce like a sword. First of all, tail-bearing or gossip is something that will pierce like a sword. In the law, we call this hearsay. You know, hearsay is not generally admissible in a court proceeding. That's where someone repeats what someone else said. Now, there are some very limited exceptions to that. One of those that comes to mind is a dying declaration of someone. A dying declaration, you can, if they were dying, you can testify to what they said. There's some other limited exceptions, but the law views gossip or tail-bearing as hearsay. You can't come into court and say, well, so-and-so said, the other side says, I object. <laughs> you can't tell what so-and-so said. You've got to tell what you know, see? So those kind of things can be piercing, can they not? Proverbs 29 and 20 says this, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. That's very logical, is it not? So where there is no tail-bearer, the strife ceaseth. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a tail-bearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. You know, tail-bearing is just where, oh, did you hear what so-and-so did? Or did you hear what so-and-so said? Or did you hear what so-and-so did to me? Or, you know, there's, there's ways to address what someone does to you or what you do to someone else. The Word of God is very clear on how to address that. And it's not by tail-bearing. But we love to bear tails, don't we? We love to... Did you hear what happened? Did you hear what so-and-so said? Did you hear all about this? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a natural tendency to tail-bear. We get excited over tail-bearing. Why do you... I don't know if this is the case anymore because I don't pay any attention. But when I was a kid, when you'd go through the grocery store line, at the end you know, of the line, there'd be all of this candy and gum to tempt the, the kids to scream at their parents until they bought them some. And then there'd also be these magazines like People Magazine, National Enquirer. I don't even know if those things even exist anymore because I don't pay any attention to them. But when I was a kid, that would be there. They'd have all these tales that they were bearing. You know, you think about the things that are out there in the, the world of Hollywood. Everybody's looking to see what's going on with the, with the royalty over in England or around the world or with what's going on with the so-called Hollywood royalty. I just can't wait to see the new, what's the latest news? <laughs> you understand? All of that is tail-bearing. Uh, most of the stuff that goes on, in, a lot of the stuff that goes on in the political world is tail-bearing. I think it was Brother McNeil a couple weeks ago when he talked about opinions and I really appreciated the point that he brought out is, you know, you can have this, this alleged fact brought out by the media. And then depending on who you're listening to, there's 50 different opinions about what that fact means. You know, they're tail bearing when they're putting their spin on it from whatever. It could be right, could be left, could be conservative, could be liberal, but they're spinning it. And that's tail bearing. You've got a brain, and you can process a fact, and you can decide, depending on what your standard of morality is, you can decide for yourself, is this right or is this wrong? You don't have to have somebody 
put a spin on it or an opinion to tell you. And I hope and pray to God that your standard of morality is God's standard of morality. See, a lot of that's just stirring things up. And let's don't get it far away with politics and Hollywood and all that. Think about your own life and the things that pierce you. The words of a talebearer, a gossip, are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. It, it just strikes you in your core when you hear that tale that is born to you. You say, well, how do I handle a talebearer? You see this right here? Speak to the hand. That's how you handle a talebearer. Stop. I don't want to hear it. Wait a minute. Is this something that happened to you? Did somebody hurt you? Did somebody offend you? Did somebody say they shouldn't say to you? Go, see, go read Matthew 18 and then come back and talk to me. And if they go read Matthew 18 and handle it, they'll never come back to you again and you'll never hear the tale born ever again. See, God's Word has a... You say, well, how am I going to process all of this that's happening to me? You're going to go to the Word of God and see what God says about how to process it. And it won't be like the piercings of a sword in your heart or your soul. See, God's got a plan for everything. But... You know, it's not, some say, well, it's not as much fun if we go to God's plan because I've got to confront that person and I've got to deal directly with that person. That's exactly right. It's the same, you say, well, I don't think I can do it. Well, I'm glad that Christ could do that because he confronted your offenses against him and he, pay, uh, and he paid for those offenses, you see? Another thing that, can, that causes a piercing is whispering. Proverbs 16 and 28 says, a whisperer separateth chief friends. We've all seen the whisperer. Look, I'm not talking about a child who has to go and whisper to their parent, you know, I need to be excused. All right? But you know, if that whisperer, even then, even, even if that whisperer is a, is a child and there's a constant whispering going on there, you think, well, what am I missing out on here? Maybe I'm missing out on some tales that are being born, you know? Whisperers separate friends. We've all seen that scenario play out where there's friends and then one slips away and they begin to whisper. And you think, what are they talking about? Are they talking about me? Is it, did I do something? Are they telling on me? Are they tattletaling? Well, what did I do wrong? <laughs> whispers separate friends. A lot of times the whisperer separates friends because they're tail-bearing, you see? Another thing that's, that is like the piercings of a sword is, is jealousy which ties into all of this and, and hatred even. Proverbs 20, because that's the root of jealousy, by the way, is hatred. Hatred is the root of jealousy. I'm jealous of this person. I don't want them to have anything. I don't want them to prosper. I, you know, I can't let them get ahead of me. Proverbs 26 and 24 says, He that hateth dissembleth with his lips. Dis to dissemble means is the opposite of assemble. You know, healthy communication brings people together. Unhealthy communication Hatred, jealousy, whispering, variance, all of these different things, that dissembles, not assemble, but dissembles people. It says, he that hateth dissembleth with his lips. You see a lot of drama going on and people splitting up, then you know there's going to be some kind of dissembling going on. It says, he that hateth dissembleth with his lips and layeth up deceit within him. When he speaketh fair, believe him not. So if that person is prone to hatred and prone to jealousy and, and sawed up and won't give encouraging compliments and won't ask what you have going on, how are you doing? And then they start speaking fair. Oh, how are you doing? Is everything okay with you? It's great to see you. You'd be like, whoa, wait a minute. Either God has got a hold of this person or they're flattering you so that they can get something out of you. So don't believe. You say, well, well, how will I ever trust that person? You can trust that person with time. 
You see? Time will prove if God's gotten a hold of them. He says, don't believe him when he speaks fair if he's prone to, to be hateful and dissemble and cause division. It says in verse 26 of verse 25, when he speaketh fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart whose hatred is covered by deceit. His wickedness shall be shown before the whole congregation. Just give it time and that hateful person will manifest themselves. See? But don't give them the time of day when it comes to their hateful communication. Proverbs 26 and 28, another thing that is piercing to the child of God is lying. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 26 and 28. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it. And a flatterer, a flattering mouth worketh ruin. A lying tongue, when someone tells a lie on another person, it means they hate them. See? When they start a rumor or they start or, or carry on the gossip, which may not even be true. Okay? These are things that are piercing. There's many other things that could be named. I'm just trying to give you a sample of what is piercing to the child of God. And let me just say this. And this is sort of a side note that probably deserves another message at some point. But I want you to think about a lot of what we're reading here in the proverb has to do with direct one-on-one -on -one communication, right? You know, face-to-face -face type communication. Someone might say, well, it's too bad the Word of God doesn't talk about texting or Instagram or emails or things. All of that is included within within what the Word of God teaches. The, the principle that's in the Word of God about face-to-face -face communication carries on out to things like texting and so forth. The same thing applies about what pierces you whenever it comes to texting. And I think it's even worse. I know it's even worse because a lot of times you can't tell the mood or the attitude of a person when they're texting. You think about that or whatever mode of digital communication that you may be dealing with. You know, if I say to you by text, I'm real happy today. You, know, you heard how I said that? I'm real happy today. I may be facetious about it. I may have a terrible day, but I'm being facetious and say, well, I'm real happy. You know, my dog just died or something like that. But then I may say, I'm real happy today. How are you gonna know the difference between that if somebody's texting you that information? Y'all see that? Here's the point. Don't let the digital forms of communication take the place of what God intends for you, which is face-to-face -face communication. We're living in the most unsocial time that I think has ever existed on the planet outside of maybe when Cain went east and lived east of Eden and the other descendants of Adam were over here on the other side. It is the most unsocial time in the days of social media that you can ever imagine. People are more confused about what somebody meant when they said this and when they texted this and when they emailed this and when they Twittered this. What do they mean? We're so unsocial. And this is a total side note. But you think about this. I speak to the young men and to the young ladies, especially those that are looking or maybe don't even know it yet, maybe that you'll be looking for a spouse one day. One of the easiest ways to stay confused about the intentions that exist between a young man and a young woman, one of the easiest ways to not know, well, is this person really interested in me or are they not? One of the easiest ways to stay like a termite in a yo-yo, just confused, going round and around, is by only texting. You hear me? I was hoping to get a lot of amens from the dads on that. 
you can't figure it out when you're texting. You got to figure it out either by writing a handwritten letter declaring your undying love for that person or one-on-one talking. You know, when I was growing up, and I'm not wishing for the good old days because that's a foolish thing to do, but when I was growing up, you know, there was a mystique about calling a girl. You know, I practiced for days before I made my first phone call to a girl. I was afraid I was going to run out of something to say. I know y'all cannot believe that about me. Well, yeah, I'm talking about, you know, 15-year-old Tim, okay? I wrote out on an 8 and a half by 11 piece of paper. Y'all ever heard of that, a piece of paper? I wrote out on an 8 and a half 11 by piece of paper about a page and different subjects that I could talk about if I ran out of something to say. Because y'all know me, I don't, even back then, I don't like an uncomfortable silence. I'd just be like, oh, click, hang up, you know, if an <laughs> uncomfortable silence came along. But we didn't have these things, and we didn't have unfettered access to the young woman or the young woman having unfettered access to the young man. There was a time when you actually got a little worked up about how you were going to communicate with that young lady. And it was terrifying. <laughs> I, you can ask my mom. I mean, I'd, I'd write out what I was going to say, and I'm sure she really liked me. You know, when I said, hey, how are you doing? Are you doing okay today? Is it a good day? Time to call you. Can I, I mean, I probably sounded like a machine talking. But with this right here, you could forget about that restrictiveness. You know, there was a mystique about where she lived and what her house was like and what her room was like and whatever. And now, nine times out of ten, somebody can just FaceTime and you know, you're right in the middle of that person's room. You say, Brother Tim, you sound like you're just ranting. I'm not ranting. I just want you to understand that godly biblical communication, as the Word of God describes it, clears up a lot of confusion. You see? Young ladies, you want to know if that, man, that young man is sincere about you? Don't let most of your communication go through this. Let it go through direct, one-on-one. That's how you figure it out. You're going you're gonna to drag it out and wonder, what does he mean? What did he mean by that text? I don't know. He continues to text me, you know, 47 times a day, but, you know, hadn't said anything about, you know, going to meet for coffee or going on a date or this, that, or the other. You see what I mean? It's confusion. And young men, I say to you, be bold in who you are and what you are. If you have to write it out and call her on the phone, well then, hey, I'm alive, I made it, I survived. I'm living proof that you can do that. Several years ago, one of our, a young man was interested in speaking with one of our girls, and she'll remain nameless. But uh, the young man came to get the phone number from me. Hey, what's wrong with that, dads? The young man came to get the phone number from him. He was just, just shaking. You know, he, you know he's, he was shaking like a leaf. And he said, I'd like to get the telephone number of your daughter. And I was like, sure, man, I'll be happy to give it to you. I said, only catch is there's no texting. What? <laughs> there's no texting. You have to call her. You have to call her. We're not going to do the texting game. He said, well, Brother Tim, you violated your daughter's right to privacy. As long as my children are in my household under me, they don't have a right to privacy. By the way, it's my phone. I'm paying for it. <laughs> he said, those sound like bold things, Brother Tim. They're not bold things. They're just factual things. That's just the way that it is. You can call her, but you can't text her. Did you know that was cleared up very quickly? Because there's a pressure that's on there to communicate, whether it's by phone or by one-on-one. There's a pressure there, and there ought to be a pressure there, you see, between young men and young women. This was totally not my subject this morning, but obviously the way y'all are looking at me is something y'all needed to hear. <laughs> 
But you say, well, Brother Tim, I need to know more about this. I'll be happy to talk to you more about it. God, the principle of God's Word will, does not go out the window just because there's TikTok and Twitter and Instagram and, and, and texting and so forth and cell phones. The, the Word of God's the principles are still there. They still apply. And they will give you answers. Remember a couple weeks, last week I talked to you about Proverbs 16 and 3. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. I promise you that if you'll commit your texting world and your social media world, if you'll commit that to the Lord, your thoughts will be established. You'll know the intentions of someone. You'll know what they mean when you say, well, they said, I'm real happy today. Are they being facetious or are they being for real? Are they really happy? I don't know. And some of y'all, on a funny note, you know, some of y'all get some of my butchered dictation and I'm driving down the road and I'm dictating something and it is completely butchered. And it's gotten so funny to me now that when I catch it and see it, I just send it on anyway just to give the person a laugh. <laughs> Man, I can't, that's not even close to what I was trying to say, but it doesn't know how to interpret my Southern you know, English, <laughs> if you can call it that. The Word of God has the principles. Now look, think about the second half of that verse. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. The word health means a cure, a healing, a medicine. That's what we want, is it not? Proverbs 15 and 4 says, a wholesome word. That's the same word for health. A wholesome tongue, excuse me, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Don't you want to be a tree of life in the things that you say? Proverbs 16 and 24 says, pleasant words are as in honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. We've got honey in the house, you know, from people locally that would bring us honey. But I always like it. I ask them, I say, have you got, have you got any of the honeycomb? And I remember the first time I, I showed my kids a honeycomb, they're like, what's that? You know, they, they don't know what they're looking. I'm like, this is the honeycomb. It's a piece of the, of the honeycomb cut out of the comb that the bees were making the honey on cut out. And we used to go around and chew that when I was a kid. It's a lot better than chewing tobacco, that's for sure. You know, we'd chew that stuff and, and you'd get the juice out of it. It tasted so good. And he says here that pleasant words are like a honeycomb with the, with the honey dripping off of them, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Proverbs 25 and 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Here's a beautiful picture of a... It, some say, well, this has to do with like golden, delicious type apples that you eat that are in a basket. And that, that could be. But the image that I get there is a, a, somebody's drawn a picture of a beautiful basket that has these beautiful golden apples in them. And you just look at it and you just go, hmm, that's, that's just beautiful. That's what a word fitly spoken is. Now, some of us wouldn't know a word fitly spoken if it came up and... and, and uh, you know, spit on us. We wouldn't know. A, a word fitly spoken is knowing the right time to say something and saying the right thing at that time. And there's some of us are, you know, we're often just like, well, I'll just say whatever I want to say. The problem is that conflicts with what the word of God says. Okay. Ecclesiastes 12 and 10, the preacher sought to find out acceptable words and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. If you think you have trouble with this, just try preaching sometime. Every Sunday, sometimes twice a week, Brother Luke and the other preachers can identify to this, and this does not put us in a special class. I don't mean that. But as much as we talk and as much as we say about the Word of God, do you know how many times I get down from the pulpit and I think, oh my goodness, you know, I, I blew it. I, didn't, I just didn't say it like I wanted to say it, or I said something I shouldn't have said. If you think you've got trouble, 
in finding the right thing to say. Just try preaching sometime. And Brother Luke's already quoted Brother Sonny Powell's. I, there was somebody that complained about Brother Sonny Powell's preaching once many, many years ago. And the lady complained to his face. He said, I just didn't like this. You know? And Brother Sonny said, well, ma'am, I'm just going to pray that your son is called to preach. And then you'll get a taste of this yourself. And she's like, oh, she quit complaining. You know, it's easy to sit there and be an armchair quarterback. Well, I wouldn't have said it that way, or I wouldn't have put it that way. Well, then just come on up here and put it how you would like to put it. See? It's an easy thing to sit back and say, well, I wouldn't have done that, but try it sometime. I'm telling you, it's a fearful thing. I want to make sure that I seek out the acceptable words for this message right here today, which is about what we say. Lord, let me not sound like I'm ranting and raving. Let me sound as though my heart is what my heart really is, which I love God's people, and I want them to get better and improve and glorify God and not whisper and not backbite and not gossip and not lie and not offend, but, but see the body of Christ flow together, grow together with the blood of the body flowing through it, which is charity, which is the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. You see, that's what my goal is. I wish I didn't fall flat in that sometimes. But these words are health, you see. Now, as we close our thoughts here, I want to mention a few things to you. You can never go wrong by encouraging someone you can never go wrong by encouraging someone. And I don't mean encouraging them in a sin. I mean encouraging them. Encouraging them. Now, encouraging someone is not flattery. Flattery in the Word of God is condemned. Flattery is where you're putting someone, you're setting someone up. You're like, oh, you're the best thing I've ever seen. You're incredible. And you're setting them up for something you want or to tear them down. That's flattery. You heard the old saying? Flattery will get you nowhere. That's also a lie. Flattery will will destroy families. Flattery will destroy children. You can only imagine how many things flattery will destroy. But encouragement is special. Ephesians 4 and 29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Somebody may say, well, I've just blown it for so many years and being discouraging and you know, this, that, or the other. I, I, just, I just don't know where to start. Start with the mind of Christ. Philippians 3 said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who humbled Himself and came to earth as a man. That mind of Christ is what we need in our mind to humble ourselves. You can do it by the grace of God. You say, I've been too discouraging and I've said too much for too many years. Well, think about Peter. You haven't denied Christ in the presence of Christ like Peter did. And he goes on and he becomes the first one that stood up and preached on the day of Pentecost. The first New Testament message. You say, I don't know where to start. Start with your heart. Jesus said in Matthew 15 and 18, those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. I tell you, if you're married, this is of, of the utmost importance. I mean, it's important whether you're married or not. But it's interesting to me that in the book of Colossians, the third chapter, the 19th verse, that the Lord said specifically to husbands to be not bitter against your wives. Did you know that's very similar to the word, the proverb that we started with where it says, there is that, there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. The root word of bitter is to pierce. You know, you've been married maybe for a long time, or maybe you hadn't been married for a long time. 
But if you've been married for a long time, you know, there's just a tendency to take the spouse for granted and just kind of say anything you want to say because we've known each other for so long. That just doesn't work. I think I've shared this with y'all before. Forgive me for the things that I reshare. But I told Sister Tracy when we first got married, I said, now look, this, this is the kind of guy that I am. If I say anything that can be taken in a good or a bad way, because it's me and I'm your husband, always take it in a good way. I mean, what a stinking lie. That's a lie. Sometimes we say things and we say them to be mean. Husband, wife, you know, whatever it may be. But there must have been a specific issue that husbands had because he specifically says, husbands, do not be bitter or piercing towards your wives. Don't take them for granted, no matter how many years that you've been married, but speak to them in a kind and uplifting way. Sometimes you just have to lock the, the tongue of your mouth and throw away the key. Sometimes you might have to just walk away and just say, I'm just not even going to speak right now. Go outside and talk to a tree. You know, the tree will not respond. The wife will respond. You see, obviously husbands had a tendency for bitterness. Listen, those of you that have been married for a long time, you say, well, I'm just so bitter against my wife. You know, I just don't have anything good to say to her. There's one thing that you can say to her that's good. And that is, thank you for staying with me for all these years. I mean, that's in and of itself enough just to say thank you. You could say that to your, a wife or a husband either way. You could say that every day. Thank you for staying with me. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for just putting up with me. You see, if you can say something like that, then you've examined your heart. Say, so I'm, I'm a sinner. I need help. Don't we all? Now, as we close our thoughts here this morning, I, I feel like some of this has rambled a little bit, but... Proverbs 18 and 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You know, you say, well, how can death and life... You can, you can have a dead, lifeless day based on what your spouse or your friend or your, your Twitter feed or your text... You can have a dead or lifeless day based on what you get from that communication. Or you can have a day that's full of life just by one word that somebody speaks to you. Be that one person. Can you imagine the effect that this would have? You're already, those of you that are here on a regular basis, you're already such a friendly church. It's amazing. Uh, that, that, is the, that is the evangelism of the Primitive Baptist Church is to be friendly, and I'm so thankful that you are. But just imagine if you even ramped it up even farther and you started encouraging, speaking only encouraging things to one another. Not flattery, not trying to get somewhere, but just, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for your friendship. I'm so thankful for, I say that to you here this morning. That'd be a good way to start and to close. I'm so thankful for you to be here. I'm thankful that you put up with me. You've been putting up with me for all these years. I've said things I shouldn't say. I've done things I shouldn't do. I'm sorry for that. But thank you for putting up with me and letting me just hang around. I love you. And I love every one of you, even those of you that I don't know that well may have just met this morning. I love you. You say, well, that preacher's crazy. I'm going to run out of here. For Christ's sake, I love you. And I'm so thankful for you. And I want to encourage you. And I want to lift you up. And I want to teach you what the Word of God says so that you can encourage others and the church of God can just function like the beautiful, healthy body that God intended it to be. Sticks and stones may break my bones. But words will always hurt me. Let's make sure the words we're saying are encouraging and uplifting and glorifying to the Lord.